0: At Mercy Village Church, we are loving, abiding, and going. That's how we state our core values concisely. But each of those three core values is stated in its own robust sentence that gets at the fuller meaning. So in this sermon series titled Roots and Fruits, we're examining each of our core values and the why and the what behind each one. This content comes from Mercy Village Church in Barbersville, West Virginia, and you can learn more at www.mercyvillage.church. Today we move into our second core value, but I want to start with a, a question. Are you tired? Are you weary? And I don't mean you. maybe you didn't sleep good the last night, although that may be a part of it. Maybe that is part of why you're weary these days, but I mean in your soul, weary in this life. If you're not there right now, maybe you've been there before. Maybe before 2020 even got here, you experienced the aching of the loss of a loved one or someone dear to you, and and all the reminders that come perpetually in the months and years that follow. And it's tiring. Maybe you have crushing guilt that's come down on you for past sins or past mistakes or even just things that people who shouldn't have and maybe even didn't have the right to say spoken to your life and left you reeling with guilt or shame. Maybe it's an exhausting... This is maybe a Freudian slip. I don't know. Maybe I need to see a, a counselor about an exhausting relationship. Maybe it's an exhausting relationship that you've wrestled with or walked through for years and years a sick loved one, internal struggles, addiction, the list could go on of all the ways that in this life we find ourselves weary. Weary from the fight, weary from the walk, weary from the life that we have. And then 2020 comes in and it's flown in or uh, flooded into 2021 as well, and everything that comes with it Regardless of necessarily how you feel about how we have responded to the COVID-19 virus, um, you have had to deal with it. You've had to walk through the complexities. You've had to walk through the struggles. Some of us have sat outside of hospitals because we couldn't go in and sit with the ones we love as they're very, very sick. The death toll crossed half a million this past week. Regardless of how it's counted, lives have been impacted and and we're tired. We're weary. Well, today, even if you find yourself flat out exhausted in this life, and if you don't right now, then I would challenge you that to really hear and have this Sermon, fall on your heart. Try to tap into a time in the past when you were weary with life. When you were tired. When you were running out of hope and you were were struggling to stay on your feet. Because you know who's never tired? Jesus. He never sleeps. He never rests. His eyes are open. They are on you. He sees you. And one of the sweetest things that he does for his children is he invites them into a promised rest. Our second core value is is stated like this. We are invited by Jesus, and we will abide with him communally. That is no small thing that Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, extends an invitation to us. And as we'll see today, it's an invitation to rest. We're in Matthew chapter 11... 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus, our gentle. And lowly Savior invites us into his promised rest. So for the tired and the weary today, might we see this? Might we know this? Jesus describes his heart on his own terms. And when he does, he describes his heart as gentle and lowly. Those are the words he chooses. And Jesus offers an invitation. And when he offers his invitation, it is come to me for rest. Jesus, our gentle and lowly Savior, invites us into his promised rest. Father, today, for the weary among us, what we know not in our weariness and in our tiredness, please teach us. Father, what we, what we are not... Right, Even if what we long to be right now is persevering, what we long to be is strong, what we long to be is full of energy, what we, what we long to be most of all is to have faith in your promises. And even if we aren't those things today, please make us those things. And what we have not, namely rest, give us the grace of God today. And in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We are invited by Jesus. And we will abide in him communally. First half is the invitation. The invitation starts Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's a who and a what. There's who's invited, and there's what we're invited to. Notice who's not invited, by the way. That's part of this. It was in verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The ones who've got it all together, the ones who've got it figured out, the ones who who stand up on their high horse and look down at everybody else, and and the the ones who look at those who are weary and heavy laden and say, suck it up, get it together, Don't you know how to live this life? Here's what you're doing right. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you need to fix. Here's how it needs to change. Those folks who think they've got it all figured out, their eyes have not been opened yet to receive this invitation. But those who have been invited are those who labor and are heavy laden. Labor is an active word. Think about, uh, you know, just hard manual labor. If you ever worked construction or you ever worked um, any, think of a crowbar, for crying out loud. And like, you ever had, seen one of those big, long, like they call them like stud bars or crowbars. And maybe you're trying to to push up some concrete with it or break it up. That's the active laboring that is described in this verse. The weariness that comes from activity, from grinding it out, from exerting yourself, from pushing yourself to the limit, physically, emotionally, spiritually, to the point of weariness. You've been there. We live in a very busy society, and then when you add on top of that unexpected events in your life, it can get even busier, even more active. Our minds are bombarded with thought after thought, and plan after plan, and desire after desire, and information after information. We can grow weary in our minds. Spiritually, we can grow weary as well. So that's the first one, those who labor actively. The second is those who are heavy laden. This is a passive word. This is to be under a burden. Some would say those who carry heavy burdens, and that's accurate, but it's even more passive than that. It's, it's to be pressed down almost to the point where you feel like you can't carry on under the burdens. Come to me all those who are weary, so tired, because you've exerted yourself so much that now under the burdens of this life, you feel pressed down to the point that you can't go on. It's about being under the weight of something so heavy. So who's invited? I am. Who's invited? You are. Weary today, heavy laden, invited. And what are we invited to? We're invited into his presence first. He says, come to me. Come to me. This is an invitation into intimacy, an invitation into his embrace. Something we laugh a lot about in our house is that my wife one time... I I think I was preparing to go to work. I don't know when it first started. But I had a pocket on my shirt, and and she's very uh, tactile. She she loves that physical presence and touch, and she just wanted me to stay with her. And she said, I wish that I could just get in your pocket and and go with you. So now we joke around about that, that, you know, I want her to be in my pocket. There's room, hear me, there is room in Jesus' pocket... For you, and he invites you right to be with him, close to him. Intimacy with him. Come to me. But it's not just the comfort of his presence; it's the it's it's a co-laboring partnership as well. Verse twenty-nine: Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. This is a working partnership. If you understand what a yoke is, uh, you'll see it in front of a wagon or in front of a plow, and then the yoke is the part that drapes over usually two oxen or two uh, cows or or whoever, two horses that are pulling this wagon. Normally, they're the the same strength on either side, and they they pull that wagon along. That yoke presses down on their shoulders, and they push against that yoke, and they take it where it needs to go. But imagine for a second if on one side of the yoke was Godzilla, okay, yoked up on on the left side, and then on the right side was a newborn infant baby puppy strapped up to that side. Now, the question would be, is that wagon or that plow going to be slowed down at all by the puppy's inability to pull it? No. Absolutely not. Godzilla will manage on his own. My wife said, it's funny that you said Godzilla when you're comparing it to God, the Son. But she's right. This is the type of working relationship we have with Jesus. This is the co-laboring relationship we have with Jesus. We get up next to him under that yoke and, and he says, it is finished. He says, I will take you from who you are not and I will transform you into who I've promised you will be. And he does the work. Sometimes we might even dig our heels in and try to fight against the movement of the wagon, the movement of the yoke. God faithfully pulls on. You see, we live in this place where we, as the people of God, will one day taste the victory of everything that Jesus does because we are co-laboring alongside him in the victory. We get to call Jesus brother. We will rule and reign alongside of him. And to do that, we take up the burden of our cross and we follow after Jesus. But as we see in that same verse, his yoke is, or in verse 30, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So he says, Co labor with me, but it is finished. Next, he says, He invites us into his apprenticeship. That's back here, learn from me. The idea of the word here is to learn by use and practice, to be in the habit of and accustomed to. It's the idea of coming alongside someone, practicing something alongside them, and in doing so, learning. This is discipleship. That's why I chose the word apprenticeship. We're called into an apprenticeship with Jesus. He says, come to me, right? Come into my presence, come to me, come into a partnership with me, co-labor alongside me, and in doing so, learn from me. And so we come alongside him. And we learn discipleship, by the way, is one of the ways, right, this discipleship relationship with Jesus is one of the ways that our burden is lightened. It's one of the ways that the yoke is made easy. Think about the busyness of life, how cluttered our life can get, in particular if we're seeking something that we should be finding in Jesus. If we're searching for satisfaction, we'll go in a thousand different ways trying to get it. This newest thing, we'll maybe buy some stuff, we'll drink some stuff, we'll uh, experience some stuff, we'll get with you, whatever it is, and we chase after these things. And our lives can grow grow cluttered with that. Our headspace gets cluttered. Cluttered, Our allegiances get all mixed up in and, and our pursuits of comforts. We're bombarded with all the opportunities to be happy. And Jesus says one thing, follow me. Centralized focus, individualized focus. There's a lightness that comes when you know one thing matters and I will pursue that one thing. Jesus says your relationship with me is that one thing. If you've ever heard the expression, good tired, when you've done some work that you maybe was beneficial to the community or, or something that you enjoy doing, and you come to the end of that focused task, something that you really enjoyed, and at the end of it, you might say you feel good tired. I'm tired, but it's the good kind of, of tired, and Jesus calls us into to that. It's not that our struggles disappear, it's not that there's not work to do, it's that the yoke is easy and the burden is light. The yoke isn't non-existent, the burden isn't non-existent, there's still a yoke, there's still a burden, but through Jesus the work is finished and now we apprentice and co-labor alongside the one who will accomplish all things. So this is the invitation of Jesus. But my absolutely favorite part of the invitation that Jesus makes is his heart. The heart of Jesus behind this invitation that we see in verse 29. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm going to begin quoting in this specific point extensively from a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. It is an incredible book speaking to the invitation of those who are suffering and weary and broken into relationship with Jesus. It is an astute and academically rich while yet very easily accessible book. And I think for many of us it would strike a chord, especially having grown up in a place where religion sometimes replaces relationship with Jesus. He says, In only one place, perhaps the most wonderful words ever uttered by human lips, do we hear Jesus himself open up to us his heart. In the one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil, and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is. We are not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. We are not told that he is exalted and dignified in heart. We are not even told that he is joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly. Remember what the heart is, biblically, that it's this epicenter of who we are. We talked about that when we discussed the Shema from Deuteronomy. The heart is the central command center of our motivations, and Dane Ortlund continues, when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, what is most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, what we find there is... Gentle and lowly. This matters. Because so many of us imagine Jesus differently. Scolding and scorning. Shaming and demanding. And he comes to us instead gentle and lowly. This is what makes the invitation of Jesus to rest so sweet. Is that it comes from this heart that is gentle and lowly. Gentle this Greek word would have ha- carried with it, and, and it's only found three times in the New Testament, would have carried with it a very specific meaning. Again, Dane Ortland describes it like this, and he does it better than me. He says, Jesus is not trigger happy. He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe, the posture most natural to him. Hear this if you came up in a legalistic environment. His most, the posture most natural to him is not pointed finger, but open arms. That's what it means that Jesus is gentle. He is meek and humble. Open arms, he says, come to me. And he's lowly. Lowly is the opposite of haughty. It's humble, but not just humble in the heart, humble in the posture. If you've ever watched someone uh, coach adults, they're usually standing face to face with them. They're you know right there, especially if there's you know some exchange on the side of a football field or something. It might get very, very intense. But when you watch someone who truly knows how to coach children, what posture do they take? They're down on one knee. They're on that same level with the children, engaging them where they're at. And Jesus, infinitely supreme, humbles himself for all of his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness. No one in human history has been more approachable than Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't live like I believe that. Can we be real? Think about who you think is the most approachable person in your life. It's probably not, unless I miss my guess, Jesus. But he is. By his own terms, he says, I am the most approachable person. There's no prerequisites, no hoops to jump through. Jesus' heart is gentle and lowly. He is accessible and tender, and that's who he is on his own terms. You right? If you understand Jesus differently than that, the problem is not with Jesus. The problem is with me. The problem is with you. And he begs us today to see him gentle and lowly. And those in the room who think that makes Jesus sound weak, please. This man will slay death. He will walk out of the grave victorious over death. And I promise you that's tougher than any single person in this room. If you have tried to live with a tender heart, if you have tried to live with a lowly posture, you know that that requires a level of toughness that most people don't know. If you're going to have a tender heart, you better have tough skin. And Jesus had both. He was not weak. His tenderness and lowliness exposed him to even more scars, even more wounds. He absorbed them for the good of those around him. His heart, gentle and lowly. Lastly, and it's the heart of Jesus that that makes the invitation so sweet, it's also the heart of Jesus that makes the promise so sweet. And what's the promise? The promise of Jesus is rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Three things. The rest is a gift. The gift is an easy yoke and a light burden and the rest is a promise. It's a gift. His rest is a gift, not a transaction. You need to hear. It. Some of you need to hear that today too, right? You're going to try to outrun your guilt. You're going to try to punish yourself. You're going to try to meet some standard of holiness before you let yourself rest. And and Jesus says, don't scorn my gift. He says it way more gently than I just said it. But he says, don't scorn my gift. It's a gift. I give you rest. Take it. Receive it. Whether you are actively working hard to crowbar your life into smoothness, labor, or passively finding yourself weighed down by something outside of your control, heavy laden, Jesus Christ's desire that you find rest and that you come in out of the storm outstrips even your own. He wants rest for you more than you want rest for you. and He can give it to you as a gift. So rest is a gift from God. Rest is is found in the easy yoke and the light burden of Jesus. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is my favorite one. Again, this is like an extended book review. I get it, but but I'm telling you, it opened my eyes to see this passage like never before. He says his yoke is kind and his burden is light. That it is That is, his yoke is a non-yoke his burden is a non-burden get this what helium does to a balloon jesus's yoke does for his followers that's good news we are buoyed along in life by his endless gentleness and supremely accessible lowliness he doesn't simply meet us at our place of need he lives there he never tires of sweeping us into his tender embrace. It is his very heart. Some of you have never, myself included, have never seen Jesus like this. Or some of us used to see him like this, but we're in a season right now where we've forgotten. We've forgotten the invitation. We've forgotten the tenderness of his easy yoke and his light burden. And this rest... This light yoke and this easy burden is a promise. He says, I will give you rest. It's always been the promise. We go on a little adventure here through the word of God. He will not cry aloud or lift his voice or make his heart uh, make it heard in the street a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench he will faithfully bring forth justice the promised messiah that isaiah was expecting was one who would look at a at a smoldering wick and he wouldn't just snuff it out but instead he would cultivate and nurture who would look at a bruised reed and and he and he wouldn't knock it over or or cut it down but he would nurture it and and care for it that was the promised messiah gentle And he was promised that he would be lowly as well, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, for he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him, he was promised to be humble and lowly. Zechariah 9, nine. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on a foal of a donkey? He doesn't come on a horse in a caravan. He comes on a humble donkey. That's the promise. He comes gently. He comes lowly. That was the promise. And, and look what he's going to do. The promised Messiah For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. That's the promise. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. In Matthew, Jesus is saying the promises are fulfilled in me. The promise of a gentle Messiah, me. The promise of a lowly Messiah, me. The promise of someone who brings rest, me. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. And because he is the fulfillment of the promise, we can trust him to keep the promise. If Jesus says that the child of God today, I will give you rest, then he will give you rest. Because in Jesus, all the promises of God find their yes and amen. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Jesus, who had committed no sin. Perfect. In every way, God's perfect son. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. No lies, perfection, but when he was reviled gently, he did not revile in return. When he suffered as a lowly savior, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, and not only to him who judges justly, but in the fact that God judges justly is the promise of rest. He himself, Jesus, took our burden. He took our yoke, the hard one, the one that you deserved, the one that I deserved, the weight of our sin that we should have had to carry up that hill. He took it. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The one who promises you rest. The one who says, come to me. Purchased your rest at a very high cost. The cost of his life. He made it possible for you today to be made righteous before him. If you're not a Christian, one step. Come to Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You remember Jeremiah six sixteen? I left out the last line. This is a promise of uh, that is made. He says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. In other words, the faithful promises of God, the faithful ways of God, look for them where the good way is and walk in it, and that's where you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. Don't do that. If you're not a Christian, trust Jesus today. Walk in his pathway. It is the only place that you will find rest. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Child of God, two steps for you. Step one, come to Jesus. Step two, see step number one. That's it. Because sometimes our hearts are prone to wander. Sometimes we drift away and we think, no, I'll come to my friends. I'll come to my spouse. I'll come to my children for rest. I'll come to these hobbies. I'll come to these activities for rest. I'll come to these addictions for rest. I'll come to Instagram or social media for rest. And we forget. See step one. Come Jesus. Last word I'll give to Dane Hortland again. Whatever is crumbling all around you in your life, wherever you feel stuck, this remains undeflectable. His heart for you, the real you, is gentle and lowly. So go to him. That place in your life where you feel most defeated, he is there. He lives there, right there. And his heart for you, not on the other side of it, but in that darkness is gentle and lowly. Your anguish is his home. Go to him. If you knew his heart, you would. I hope we see his heart in this invitation. Today. That we'll go to him tired today. Tired from your circumstances. Tired from maybe certain people in your life. Tired of yourself. Maybe you're even tired of God. At least as you understand him. God himself, regardless. Child of God, Jesus never grows tired of catching you up into his arms come to Jesus. If you knew his heart, you would. Jesus, our gentle and lowly Savior, invites us into promised rest. And the promise is sure because of Jesus. So come to Jesus. That's the invitation. If you knew his heart, you would. Let's pray. God, I need to come to I lose sight of this more times than I even want to admit. I go a thousand other places for rest. Might we hear your invitation today, and might we see your heart. You are gentle and lowly. Your rest, it is promised, and we can bank on it. So by your grace, may we come to you today. Seeking rest and knowing that you will deliver on that promise. And it's in the name of Jesus who purchased our rest that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to join the work of God as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. You can learn more at our website at www.mercyvillage.church.